This episode is brought to you by SRB Field Rests. Your shotgun, bow, or rifle is an extension of who you are as a hunter. Whether you're hunting snows in a muddy mess of a field, mallards in the marsh, or whitetail from a ground blind, SRB Field Rests has your back. A local Kansas company that provides an easy to use, simple, and ergonomically effective solution to just awkwardly holding onto your gun or your bow when you do not need to, allowing you to have more freedom, comfort, and safety in the field. Enter discount code FOULFRONT at checkout for 10% off your order of any SRB field rest today. This episode is also brought to you by Oak Barn Beef, a direct-to-consumer, family-owned farm that delivers high-quality, DNA-tested, dry-aged Nebraska beef from their family to yours. You can select from a wide variety of boxes. My personal favorite is the Husker Beef Package, which combines jerky, ground beef, steaks, and a brisket. These packages are perfect for families, get-togethers, out-of-town hunts, or for you outfitters looking to upgrade your table fare for your clients. Order yours today at oakbarnbeef.com. And what's really important is that we band together, we speak with one voice. And I was like, you sure? Because I've got two kids, I don't want it to ruin your hunt. And you're like, yeah, yeah, just come and home with me. Just take your time. Like I said, it would have killed a normal man, but I'm not normal, but you know. When you said, why do you want to talk about that? To me, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, there's so many different factors that go into this decision. Enjoy it for what it is. Every moment of it. If, if, if you're only going to shoot one duck. Welcome to the Foul Front Podcast, part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Hey, Foul Front, it's Hannah from Oak Barn Beef. We're giving away a box of steaks, jerky, and more premium beef exclusively for the listeners of the Foul Front. To sign up, head over to foulfront.com and click on the Oak Barn Beef Giveaway tab to enter into this giveaway. Thanks, and we can't wait for you to try our Nebraska-raised and dry-aged premium beef. All right, welcome to the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast, and this week I have a very special guest in Rocky LaFleur. Rocky is the host of the End of the Line Podcast and is what I consider the uh, OG of waterfowl podcasts rocky how are you doing today i'm doing great man that's a that's a large name to bestow upon me and i appreciate it well when i think about uh waterfowl podcasts you know three four or five years ago when i was uh listening to them not producing them uh i yours was i think the first one that i ever listened to um and i just remember you had a consistent content stream and uh I, yeah, I, I just, that's what I think of. You know, we started out with the On The X podcast. I don't know if you ever remember yeah. that one. J. Paul Jackson and I were really good friends. He was the host of Migration Nation, which was Drake's TV show back three or four years ago. And, you know, I just taking over a very popular website called Duck South. I mean, it was the second largest duck hunting website back in the old days. And partnered with the guy said, hey, you need to revive it. And podcast in 13, 14 were really, even though they'd been around probably 10 years before that, they were really 
really starting to hit the scene. Uh, a lot of your movers and shakers were doing short podcast around 14 or 15. And I, and I told Jay Paul, he's so good at talking. I said, Hey, we need to start a podcast. So he said, you know, he didn't know what a podcast was. I said, well, we just sit around on the phone and talk. He said, I'm good with that. And Jay Paul is a talker. And so it kind of started there with the on the X podcast. Yeah. So what was, what was the point? Why were you, what was the intention? Uh, it was to, it was just going to be another arm of marketing for Duck South to, you know, Jay Paul was trying to, of course, continue his brand of who he was, the dog trainer, the TV host, me, myself, I was trying to help reestablish Duck South because social media had just kind of shut those old waterfowling sites down. And so that yeah. was kind of the main purposes behind it. Talk to guests, um, bring bringing some of these personalities just a little bit closer to people. Because I'll, I'll tell you this, man: you put somebody in front of a camera, they're different. You put them behind a microphone, it just talking. They'll they'll open up and say, "Tell you anything." Yeah. And what were those early episodes like? What what was the what was the style of content? They were awful. <laughs> Thank God we had Jay Paul. He he was such a professional at, at what he did and for for me and Josh Webb, it, it was it was new. It it was uh, trying to think of <laughs> Some of the guests we had on back in the early days, it was had more of a local flavor to it back then. Of the with the Only X podcast, it was more of a Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas type of show, Tennessee. Sure, sure. And just so everyone's tracking, you're you're out of what Oxford, Mississippi, correct? I am. That's correct. Yeah. Home of Ole Miss. And, that would uh, be a better way of putting it. Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Okay. <laughs> um, so before you're a podcast, who are you, Rocky? I start. All right. So my story, I'll briefly kind of summarize this for you. Got out of high school in 94, basketball player, uh, went to bas- to college on a basketball scholarship. And at this point, I guess I started duck hunting 92, 93, somewhere in there is when it really became important to me. Well, those years after I graduated high school, 95, 96, 97, it, I, I look back on them as the glory days. You know, the, like our father's generation looked back on the 70s and the, the late 60s and the 70s, early 80s. As the glory days, I look back at 94 to say 98 is kind of my glory days. It, it was unreal. Uh, the best way to put it was <laughs> it was so good. 
you know, you didn't get but just a few days out. Going to college, playing basketball, you get just a few days break. You're not like a normal person in college. So the hunting was so good, I didn't report back to practice. Uh, I reported back to practice a couple of days late. And I'll never forget walking to my coach's office at Sun Years. So I choose because I, I'm I'm literally getting up every morning and and going hunting. Um, every morning we had off at least. He said, "Son, you're a choose. You love basketball or you love hunting." I said, "Coach, I like basketball, but I love duck hunting." And that was first of January, somewhere in there. And <laughs> that was. He didn't. He didn't take it too well. He didn't take no. it well at all. And I left the team. And the very next year, nineteen ninety-seven, I guided my first clients. So. And so which, that was uh, who? Who were you? You did that all on your own, your own outfit, or what? That that's correct. I was engaged to a to a farmer's daughter which he owned a lot of land and he had a lot of different salesmen uh, people that needed to be taken hunting hunting i kind of did it for free for fun and for tips because it, it was just i mean some of these people leave three four hundred dollars for killing limited ducks i do that every day geez that's a lot of money to a 20 21 year old guy yeah, that's a lot of beer money. <laughs> so, Mossy Allen Outfitters was born in 1997. It, we, we, so Mossy Allen Outfitters was, we built a lodge. Uh, we had a really, really nice client base all the way up to 2016. We had a lodge. The hunting had just gotten to the point that, you know, I just kind of looked around at my clients and said, hey, let's go to the ducks. I had a, about an 80% return client base, and we travel now. Not, I mean, it's nothing on the scale of Ramsey or anything like that, but we travel all around the U.S. Um, chasing ducks. And it, it to me, it's a lot more fun now it's it's kind of back when i it's like when i first started it's fun again yeah and you're just you basically you're saying you know you it's pretty hard to scratch out uh you know a respectful not just taking people's money uh living as an outfitter down there in the in the south right now oh it's tough it's it is from missouri to arkansas to Mississippi and Louisiana, it's been a really, really tough, I would say, past five years. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, Mossy Island Outfitters, you guys you guys are still in full swing. Uh, how does that, you said you kind of, you travel around the, the, the country. How does that work? So, kind of built relationships with different outfitters around the U.S. And I just utilize them. And it's been a lot of fun being able to see things that I would have never seen 
sitting in Morgan City, Mississippi. You know, to to wake up to a sunrise with a, you know, on the Green River in Utah with a mountain in the distance and, you know, geese and, and ducks pouring in. That's pretty special. Seeing tens of thousands of ducks fall into a cornfield in Oklahoma or Nebraska or Kansas. It, 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 you see things that you haven't seen since, say, 97, 98. So when you're doing the podcast, when you're starting, what, what was the first year you started the podcast? You said 2013? Yeah, we started 2014, I believe, with the Only X podcast. I think it was 2014. Okay, what what's kind of if somebody's just listened, to, you know, to your your most recent, I would categorize your style as like a serial type of um, episodic thing where it you deep dive, um, whereas a lot of people cover you know topics. Topic, we're to, I'm topical. You know, I pick one topic and we talk about it on that episode. But you're a storyteller. You like to, you're investigative. What drives that? I think it goes back to my dad. Everything in life is built around relationships, whether business, personal, family, whatever it may be. How, how well you succeed at life is how well you can build relationships, and nurture them. Learned that from my dad really early on in life. My dad did that through hunting, so it kind of transferred over to me. My dad used to host hunts. He, he did it for uh, kind of a social aspect to it. So I saw that in my dad. My dad really, really put an importance on relationship with others. Um, like I said, success in life is built off of relationships. So, if I can get somebody to talking, you know, they, I, I don't know, it's just always been, I could communicate with people and they could tell me things that, they wouldn't tell anybody else. You know, uh, <sighs> here lately, you, you take Ryan, which I think Ryan's been on your podcast before, Ryan Warden. Yep. Going into that, going into that, you're looking at it at, from a story standpoint, two or three episodes. I think that ended up being... 11 parts, uh, 10 or 11 parts with Ryan. There's so much detail. I, I've always, looking outward, inward, I don't know why sometimes people feel comfortable talking or telling me things, but it's it's been that way my whole life. Like I said, I think that I've, I, I'm a good listener. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so so if we go, you know, kind of uh I there had to have been a point where you transitioned from okay, I'm going to have somebody on um for, you know, 
one episode and then you're like, well, that just didn't cut it. Let's do another one. And kind of, you know, what are these, what's the five or six stories lines that you kind of have had um, throughout, you know, the last, you know, half of, a, you know, last seven years, eight years? Uh, the ones that I get the, the most feedback on, let's start with mine. That's kind of where it all began. There was a lot of scandal and a great story. There's so many great stories within the story when it comes to Mossy Island Outfitters. And that's kind of where Josh Webb, which is a co-host, he kind of pushed me into telling that story, the Mossy Island Outfitters story. And when I say there's a lot of scandal, a lot of great stories, I can't sit here and go through them all. You you really need to go back and listen. But that's where it kind of all started. That was the foundation of the story. And I started thinking, you know, after I told mine, I said, knew Jake's story. I said, and with Jake as a co-host, Jake Latondras, I said, Jake, you really need to, you need to tell your story because your rise to the top is really, really good. All the things that he went through. So though I would say that those two Stories they were kind of going on at the same time. They they built a firm foundation for where we are as a podcast now. Yeah, how did uh, how did you and Jake uh, Latondras meet? Uh, I was actually filming with uh, Migration Nation back in fourteen out in the Great Salt Lake. And Jake was the videographer for that hunt. He was one of the videographers that was that was present for that hunt, filming it for TV. And he and I just hit it off. I mean, we have become really, really good friends ever since then. So we we go through the Mossy Island uh, story, and then we go through Jake's story. Uh, what's the What's the next What's the next one? Uh, I think I had my best friend on, which was Troy Ruiz, which Troy and I have been friends forever. And Troy was kind of the one of the founding fathers of Waterfowl TV, which to me, back in the mid to late 90s, was very important with the Whistling Wings video series that really, you know, People all the time want to blame Duck Commander or Outdoor TV for all these people getting in. And that was the original, that was the original OG of outdoor video. Everybody, you know, with Whistling Wings TV show and the old videos, that's what brought a lot of people, got people excited about chasing waterfowl again. Troy did that, that story did really well. It it wasn't until we did the Ramsey Russell story, which let me just say this. There's one story to go listen to in all of these series. It's Ramsey's. Um, Ramsey's been on your podcast, of course. But Ramsey telling about how he got burnt and 
you know, making it through something he shouldn't have to be the success that he is today, and he doesn't let that hinder him. It's an amazing story. Yeah, um, he he's told he's, he's told five people before the, that day, before the day that he told how and the whole story of how he got burnt. He had told five people in thirty three years or something. <laughs> you know, how do you how yeah. do you avoid yeah. that? That's that's the thing to me. Uh, so many people were afraid to ask him about that. But one thing that 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 was one of the first questions I asked Ramsey the first time I ever met him face to face. Man, how'd your hands get so burnt? What happened? And Ramsey always told me, he said, uh, for the five people that ask me what happened, I got a great deal of respect for them. I happen to be one of the five. So I'm proud of that. Yeah, that's that was a really powerful series. Uh, and just how did you how did you end up meeting Ramsey? Ramsey was a part of Duck South for years and years. Ramsey kind of built his whole Get Ducks business off of the MS Ducks Duck South website years ago. So I guess you know I am a uh, I guess millennial of waterfowl hunting um so back in the day would you have duck south and then was it refuge forums um is that's kind of like the pre-social media days uh that's yeah. kind of what you had right yeah the refuge was huge back then duck and i'm trying to, it was one more it was one more because duck south uh kind of fell right in between uh i think refuge was first because you know they had a they kind of had a forum for whatever state you were in they had millions hundreds of thousands if not millions of users on that website back in the day yeah that's just so interesting to me because you know i i don't remember when facebook came out because (laughs) i think it was there uh i think i was probably in high school about the time i you know, started getting interested in uh, relationships and, and and girls and all that other stuff. I think Facebook was already already there, um, and then obviously, you know, hunting comes along after that, and <clears throat> and uh, that knowledge was always there. And I, I remember, you know, people talking about forums, and uh, I know that like for sports forums, that those were huge. Uh, I remember those very, you know, vividly from my dad. Uh, but just such an interesting thing. Like, so when people, you know, hear, what is Duck South today? <laughs> it's actually down. It's kind of interesting. You ask that question. It's kind of down right now. We're swapping servers. But as far as the the name and the utilize, you know, we kind of moved it a lot of the traffic over into a Facebook group. Um. It's, it's yeah, that's what I'm familiar with, uh, at least. But go ahead. Yeah, and it's um, I think it's a familiar name in duck hunting now, the Duck South Group. I mean, it's uh, close to twenty five to thirty thousand members of that group, uh, which doesn't. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but um, it's uh, it, it's a decent sized group when you think about. There's not, but. 800 and something thousand waterfowlers now. So, um, yeah, I'm 
have to check the math on that one, but eight eighty um, right at nine hundred. Yeah. So the I guess the, the one of the things I was trying to solve with with people that maybe um that are listening to this that have not listened to your podcast yet is to try to help them navigate all of your content. You have you have so many hours of that you've spent and earned uh talking to these people and extracting these great stories. And I'm trying to figure out how I can help people navigate uh, those stories. So, um, you know, we talked a little bit, you got Ramsey's story, which is a story of uh, basically, I mean, if I, if I want to take a stab at this here, emerging uh, out of kind of despair in a, a, a physical dark place, and uh, utilizing waterfowl and uh, hunting as the way out. Correct. Yes. Um, well, that, uh, let me, just a couple of thoughts. So the Ramsey story, I think, is the one that really kind of put the end of the line podcast on the map. But, you know, we were floating around average numbers before that. Yeah, this is good. We're we're doing okay. But the Ramsey Russell story, you know, it hit and the numbers doubled. You know, the the number of listeners that were doubled or tripled. And then you have then you have the Jeff Foles and the Ryan Warden stories hit. Yeah. And then, and the thing that I've come to learn, I think these story podcasts do well. But you you have to have a little bit of scandal in them. You know, the these the the biggest podcasts that people are out there listening to these days are are the that I hear from my friends are the are the murder mysteries or the oh, yeah. wrongly convicted guy or the you know the thrilling stories. Yeah. And investigative journalism, yeah. You know, I was talking to a guy that loyal listener, two, actually two listeners in the past uh, day or so. And I asked him, I said, hey, if you, you know, listen to any podcast lately, what do you like? Blah, blah, blah. I always try to get feedback from the listeners. And, you know, they hadn't spent much time listening to the newer stories because they don't involve anything scandalous. They're just Leaders of the waterfowl community. Yeah. 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 And maybe I shouldn't have put those two together. Maybe I should have uh, kind of spread them out, not have Foles and Ryan at the same time. No, I, I, those are both great stories. Uh, and I'm really glad that you told the foils one. And then I remember um, I about a year ago, probably. Um, where the first time I talked to Ryan Warden, um, I had initially called him cause I saw he was a local Kansas company and, uh, I was, you know, approaching him for some sponsorship. And then he started telling me who he was. I initially kind of got nervous, uh, cause I thought, oh, here's this nefarious guy, this, you know, convicted dude, um, you know, a poacher and all this stuff. And then he kind of, we kind of had a couple of conversations and it it didn't seem like he was defending himself 
and uh, he was basically, he just kind of told me what had happened and um, it, that struck me very like, wow, that's, that's kind of a crappy situation. And uh, then I started doing some of my own research and then talking to him a little bit more. And then I decided to have him on the podcast. Um, and I, at the time I thought that that was a very kind of risky thing for me to do. Um, and so I had him on the podcast and he told his story and then, um, thankfully, I, thankfully, I, I think that he kind of got his message out and it's, I thought you did a really great job and, um, yeah, I just think it's a good cautionary tale for, um, anybody entering the industry. Well, two things I learned from the one each, one on the Falls podcast, one on Ryan's podcast. Ryan did things that every one of us do every day. So if they busted him for what he did, they could walk into the field with any of us and bust us. Yeah, they, you know, they got him on. He confessed to tagging violations. Um, there's simple things, you know, the, the whole story with the dove. The dove getting away and, uh, you know, and then the cripple when in Jeff's podcast. A lot of times you don't think about those things. You're sitting on the back of, you know, Ryan sitting on the back of the truck with the, as pertains to the dove violation, he shoots a dove uh, sitting on the tailgate of his truck. He's at 14. Well, guy picks, you know, one of the undercover picks up a dove, I think, puts mm-hmm. him one over. And and the same thing in, in, in Jeff's podcast, you know, a, a Canada goose got away and uh, the undercover game wardens are hunting with, with Jeff and the, the guide that was sitting on top of the hill watching the hunt brings it back to him. You know, it, it had sailed 600 yards away. They had no idea that they had killed it. And Jeff's even, he even knows that there's undercover game wardens with him. There's so many little things that with the laws that we have today, I don't think that there's, if they want you, they're going to get you. No matter yeah. how legal you try to be, if they want you, they're going to get you. But here, here's the other thing. So a couple of stories that's coming up real soon is another federal uh, duck hunting violation uh, outfitter. And then we're actually going to have a federal game warden, one of the most notorious federal game wardens that ever put the boots on every day. Mm. And, you know, in talking to a couple of these federal game wardens, one of the things that they kept, uh, you know how you would go into a business meeting and your focus all year at the first of the year, they give you a uh, statement to live by. This is how we're going to do business. You, you repeat it every day. Well, one of the things that I got, and I noticed from when I started doing a little investigating from Jeff's story, I know I'm rambling a lot, but I don't usually do a lot of talking. But <laughs> no, you're you're good. You're good. All right. So one of the things in talking to this federal game warden, 
a statement that he kept saying over and over and over is respect the resource, respect the resource. Well, if you dig into Jeff's story a lot, the game warden that arrested him wrote an article about it for this World Game Warden magazine. And one of the statements that he kept using is respect the resource, respect the resource. I think that the thing that got Jeff was being the rock star that he was. A lot of Midwest guys were hanging on to, you know, he wasn't as popular in the South. And I actually talked to him about that in the podcast, but he was a very popular guy in the Northern States and in the Midwest. Huge, huge popularity. And some of the things that he was doing on video, you would have to agree that it's pushing the, pushing the limits, pushing the boundaries back in the day. Of the respecting the resource? Correct. Or just respecting the, the animal that you're hunting. You know, there's things that we do in a blind. We, you know, you got a uh, crippled bird. You, you you slap them over the side of the boat. They're hit. Yeah, we'll talk yep. about it on the podcast, but we're not going to do it on video and put it online. No, no. That's ammo for people that don't want us to do what we do anymore. Right. And some of that stuff was ending up on video. Well, how do you get to, how as a game warden, how do you, Tell people, hey, this isn't right. What's going on? You you cut the head off of the snake because there there's so many people at this time following Jeff's lead and his example that you know the you you cut the head of the snake. And I think that that's what got Jeff is they didn't want to see Jeff. Jeff was so big; he was the rock star. Of waterfowling. Well, you you don't want that because we, we've lost the age of mentoring from dads. I will admit that in yeah. waterfowling. People take away what they see on video or TV as their example when they go uh, duck hunting or goose hunting. And so... Yeah. You see what I'm getting at? So the way that you say, hey, this isn't right, what he's doing is you you bust him. I think that's what happened to Jeff. That's just my opinion. Outside looking yeah. in. Sure. I I mean I mean that, that can, you know that also has, you know, its ramifications. Like you were saying, you know, kind of earlier with your thoughts on it, you said if they wanted to get you, they could. Um, my brother and I, my brother does not hunt waterfowl. He doesn't hunt at all. Um, and, uh, didn't really grow up around it or in it. I should say he grew up around it. Um, and I told him, cause he, he kept asking me these questions. Uh, there was a meme out there that said something about how a goose has more rights than, um, you know, an American citizen because a goose can only get shot at three times by the hunter and he's like, is that a thing? And so we started talking about regulations and I told him, hey, why don't you do this? Go look up the federal, uh, just, we'll just stick with waterfowl and, and hunting. Just, just uh, go look at the federal regulations 
for waterfowl hunting and then go look up Colorado's uh, regulations for hunting. And I said, do that in just an afternoon. And he's a very well-read, very smart guy. And I said, and tell me if you think that you could go out and execute um, a hunt and not be in violation of those rules. He texted me back about uh, later that evening, about four hours later. And he's like, dude, I've been reading for like three hours. And he said, honestly, this is a very confusing piece of doctrine. Uh, he's like, you're right. I don't think that I could. I'd have to. Th- this is a learned thing. Like someone's got to help teach you this stuff. You have to read it, but you also have to be taught it. Well, the biggest problem that people <sighs> say this first, the biggest lesson to take away from Jeff's podcast that a federal game warden, when it's all said and done, walks up to him and said the whole deal one of the whole deals with Jeff's prosecuting that case was to end party hunting. Now, what I mean by that is, is whether it be two or 20 of you shooting into a flock of geese, that's what they wanted to put a stop to. They wanted to make waterfowl hunting deer hunting. That, that was the kind of one of the end goals with Jeff's case, along with kind of shutting down the machine the rock star machine that jeff was and whether it's two or five or ten or twenty shooting i guarantee you i could go out and find a violation because when that dog's bringing back geese and you have 18 rain out and Let's just say the, the, a goose gets put with the wrong person. What you shoot is supposed to be with you, supposed to be placed with you. Um, and if you film a hunt and, mm-hmm. you know, Larry's goose gets put with you in a rain out, that's a violation. Yeah, there's so many little small things. I try to talk to the outfitters that I work with all the time about pile picks. Do not do it. Make it distinct. You can still take pile picks and put up videos. I would never recommend putting up a video ever, ever. Do not put a video online. But if you're going to put up pile picks, make sure there's separation. Where if they ever question you, hey, look, see that separator right there, or tags are visible, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. I, this day and age, it's very interesting. Uh, the the social media, you can you can get you can get tickets. Uh, that's anything you put out there is uh, that's evidence, you know. So. Well, it's been, like I said, it's been an interesting journey. A lot of good stories left to come. Uh, Ramsey has taken over a day. Ramsey is officially a co-host of the podcast. I approached Ramsey here about a month ago. I said, hey, all your travels, (laughs) you're stopping to see all these people. Flip the recorder on. Make it a podcast. Yeah. And that is so, a very powerful tool, um, and uh, that guy, 
I mean, he gets around. Um, who who are some of the other characters right now? Um, I say characters, but I, I really mean people. Like, who are the big people right now that um, you feel are making a good difference um, in waterfowl? Uh, I think Ramsey is a great person that's setting a great example. Spencer Halford is another one. Um, you know, my knowledge of the Midwest is growing a little more and more, uh, each year. I think Jimbo, Jimbo's been a rock in the, in waterfowling for a long time. Who's that? For the, uh, for Jim, the Jim, Jim Ronquist at R&T. You know, most of my leanings are going to be toward that, that Southern, kind of root southern heritage but i think there's some some here for a while we've had kind of social media superstars kind of leading the way to look up to and i don't think that that is a great example uh to see and live by but I, the I, the cream is it's rising to the top in, in in those few people that I named. Um, you know, I think the death of me or the death of the hunting industry is going to be the me, me, me attitude. I think the mm-hmm. hunting industry is being used by a lot of people to climb a an invisible mountain. They think is uh, Mount Everest, and it's really not. It's nothing there. Uh, Jake and I were having this conversation yesterday that you know there's so many people trying to climb to the top, and they don't care who they step on or what they do in this industry to get there. Um, to, to here's the thing, you know. I'll just say this, the cameraman that's trying to get to Yeti to be a cameraman for Yeti. What are you going to get when you get there? A $50,000 a year job as a cameraman just for Yeti? You know, that that ego is going to wear off in just a few months. You know, I see so many people that are trying to, so many young people trying to run this rat race. And yeah. They kind of push people away. Yeah, the I think the pro staff thing, right? So that used to be a very, um, I mean, that's what you had to do back in the day. Wow, as a as a company, that's what you had to do. Uh, You had to have you know little ambassadors all around the country trying to push your product, right? Um, But I think it turned into something. And what what's your what's your take on it now? I think it's ruined the industry. Here's the, let me say this. So you have all these people trying to be on this pro staff or an ambassador for this or part of the tribe. What you've done is for people that really, uh, you have lowered, how do I say this? All right, so 
you've got all this company, all these companies giving away free product. Hey, send us, you know, we'll send you a jacket if you send us a thousand photos. You know, you just, you just gave them something for $40. It cost them $40. You, you sent them a thousand photos. And so, it, as, the, as a whole, it's just, it's awful. The whole pro staff deal, what it's done to the industry, and it's great for the companies. It's bad for the industry. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was recently talking to uh, a friend of mine who's uh, in the in the waterfowl industry, and we were talking about pro staffs and uh, kind of... <sighs> how it's affected the everyday hunt, right? So a guy goes out and he take he, you know, has a great day, has a great hunt. And then something compels him um to take a photo. Um that he needs oh, I need to post this to my Instagram because the the hunt isn't complete until I take that photo. Um and try, you know, and and it's passion. You know, everybody would love to go around and hunt and get paid for it, you know, and, and get free stuff. Um, but that's just not the reality. And I think it falsely leads a lot of people um, to trying to pursue that, even though it might not be something that's ultimately for them. Man, how many times have we had this conversation about how many people have called you and offered free stuff for adver- uh, an advertising gig on your show? Uh, a minute ad. I'm, yeah, I'm, a minute I'm, long ad for something. Yeah. Anybody that's listened to this, I'll trade out all the free stuff that's offered for me for a monthly recurring amount of money. I don't need free stuff. And that's what I mean is instead of actually paying money for what you and I as a regular business would have to pay, these hunting companies have gotten away with just giving out free stuff. And getting, they give little, but yet they get so much, so much in return for the little that they give away instead of actually spending dollars. And that's what I mean by how it's ruined the industry. I have people, hey man, give us something on your podcast. I'll send you a, I'll send you a few dozen decoys. I don't need a decoy. I've got a trailer full of decoys. Yeah. But that's the mentality that's happened over the past 10 years with the rise of the pro staff. Yeah. Oh, I got one better for you, too. Um, a guy approaching you and saying, hey, I want to, you know, let's do an episode. I want to be on your podcast. And I said, okay, um, like, are you like wanting to market or something? Like, who are you? And um, it basically like, the the whole conversation devolved into so i have to pay to be on your podcast i gotta pay to do a podcast and i was like man you're not getting it like i'm trying to help listeners and if you want to be a part of that like if you want to help a listener that's fine but you coming on here and talking for an hour about your product that that don't cut it like that's you're not giving that much value and uh like and if you want to be a part of that uh, what of me trying to um, help listeners in another way. You want to support the show uh, to keep the the lights on. That's money, man. I don't need your, 
I don't need a couple decals and a hoodie. <laughs> I need someone to pay for this for for my you know hosting fee. I need someone to pay for uh, the the new microphone that I want to get. You know what I mean? Those kinds of things. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's that's what it, that's what's been ingrained into the hunting industry the past fifteen years is you know give away a little bit and get a lot Man. instead of you know if we're the chevrolet dealership down the road spending our you know we spend six seven eight thousand dollars a month you know it, you don't have to do that that that's their mentality you might want to cut this i messed that up you know, it's not like it's not like a regular business that has an advertising budget. Um, they just, like I said, it, it's Jake says it a lot better than me. There's so many people, videographers, photographers that are trying to climb to the top, and they're willing to give away everything to to find nothing. There's nothing there. Anyway, yeah, no, it's it's, and who does it end up hurting? It ends up hurting the the hunter and uh, the the regular guy, the everyday guy. Um, maybe it's not respecting the resource, and I think it might be you know watering down uh, the true reasons that uh, we're out there. I think right now it's just a little burden um, or a little uh, you know scuff on what we're doing, and I think uh, the you know, the, the five stages or six stages or however many stages there are of a, a hunter. I think the, the social media part and wanting to be a, an influencer, I think that's a sub stage somewhere in there for a lot of, a lot of people. And you take somebody like Lee Chose and Jake, you know, it, they, they have to lower the amount that, that they're willing to work for because you have so many willing to give it away for free. Yeah. Just, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, okay. Rocky kind of basing off that. What the, what the heck are you doing? What are you doing with the end of the line podcast? What is the, what's the reason? Uh, I think that, it, like I said, I think that it kind of holds the Duck South brand together. When you have a voice each, if not each day, but multiple times a week, people feel attached to that brand. And figured out really and truly what we were going to do with it. Uh, I'll tell you this, last year we got into, this is a, I, don't, I always admit my faults, but we screwed up last year. We we have we were very successful. We had a hunting journal that we put out, which we're going to put out again this year. But we jumped into some leather and canvas products, and we were going to, uh, you know, brand those those products with the with the Duck South name. But God, whenever you start dealing with anything overseas, do it, you know it just unless you have boots on the ground doesn't usually doesn't go well. And that's how it turned out for us. So 
what are we going to do with it? Do I want to be the next uh, Mossy Oak or Drake or Sitka or any? No, no. I want to have a loyal base of followers that that will love and use a brand when the right product comes along. And we've decided that, or I've decided that we're not going to put out anything that's not going to hold up and last a long time. So that that's kind of the end goal. We will have a few products here and there that kind of supports what we're doing. But at the end of the day, the, the, the user himself or the, the person using the product be something they're happy with that they tell other people about. Excellent. Excellent. What is, what's the narrative? What's the problem that you're trying to fix right now with the conversations that you're, that you're having? What's the, you know, you had Lee Chosan last week. I think it was you, Lee, and I think it was Jake. It might've been Ramsey. I can't remember. But he started talking about false narratives. And for some reason, that has just consumed me since I heard that. And I kind of wanted your take on, you know, coming out of that conversation as well. All right, let me say this. When it's all said and done, this, this series that we're doing with Lee Chose will probably be the most valuable amount of in- information about the industry and how it works and about somebody that can drive a product to the top in a Leechos. Leechos is the guy that you buy. I'm, I'm just, he, I don't think that he was a part of the Sitka brand, but he, he's the guy behind the scenes that has driven a lot of brands to the top. <laughs> you know, he may be the guy that the reason that you wear that Sitka waterproof jacket, he may have been behind that. I don't know. Or, you know, I always like to use the analogy of the devil wears Prada, which a lot of you probably don't know what it is. I have to watch it every time it's on TV because of my wife. But <laughs> you, you know, the, you know, the lady in that movie, she's, no, she's the reason that you wear that sweater. You remember that part? You ever seen it? I haven't. I haven't seen it. I've seen snippets <laughs> of it. <laughs> so, anyway, he's the reason that you wear or shoot or use a product. A lot of times, he gets paid a lot of money to do what he does to drive a product or brand to the top. He, but he doesn't take on, he has to believe in the product. His, one of his projects that he's working on right now is Boss. You've seen what they've done in a year and a half. It's un, or a year. It's unbelievable. You know, the narrative behind Boss Shells, there's, do you remember exactly what he said? Three million ducks lost his cripples every year because of steel shot. Yeah, it was some number that he talked about how steel shot is generating a lot of cripples. His whole deal narrative behind it was he believes in ball so much that if he can decrease that number, let's just say 10%, that's 300,000 birds 
that he's saving. Well, not maybe not saving, but saving, yeah. Not waste, right. not wasting, not wasting. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's saving a whole or the amount of time that you're there because it, it's the shot is just that much more effective. You're in and out. You're you're not waiting on the next bird to come over the decoys. You're not waiting around till eleven o'clock. And so, like I said, he really he's that guy. That narrative, you know, he kind of he believes in a product, then he sets a kind of a narrative in place. This is how we're going to do it, and it, it's unbelievable what the man. Who he, uh, what he does every day, and the people that he is surrounded by. Called him yeah. yesterday, and well, no, when we first started the series with Lee, I think that he was on a shoot uh, with the show Yellowstone, which is my favorite show on TV. <laughs> he was doing a photo shoot for them, and you know he was out at the bar with. Uh, God, man, I'm losing my mind this morning. What's the guy? That's right. The what's uh, the head cowboy, the manager of the farm? He was out yeah, of the bar. With I him. actually haven't. I haven't seen Yellowstone yet. Oh, so. you got to see it. Is it that good? It. It's that good. And so, anyway, <laughs> you want to know who one of the most powerful people in this this whole industry that you know as as the hunting industry. Lee Chose, he's that guy. He's he's one of the top people. Yeah, and I don't think I really even kind of knew who he was until I think this whole boss thing kind of came out. I, I don't know if he was just a behind the scener kind of guy until then or uh, oh, specifically. He was. Yeah. He's that smart. And I mean, he just... He can change a company in a short period of time. Yeah. And that's uh, just him talking about. And then for anybody that might be a little worried about those comments and like, oh, okay, it's just a guy that's an, he's an influencer and he's a, well, the guy's got integrity about what he does as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he, he will not get behind his product and use his capabilities in promoting a product or his knowledge about marketing unless he believes in that product. That's one of the first things that he has to believe in in what you're doing. He, he really is one of those guys. Money, man, doesn't influence him because he knows his integrity is on the line. Right. What do you, do you think it's important for the everyday man, the, you know, the regular hunters uh, like, like me and like us that we kind of understand that we're being influenced um, and then to try to figure out who the people that actually have integrity are that we should be listening to. I just, you know, I think it's hard because a lot of us, we just kind of take our information at face value these days. There's um, a lot of noise. With, 
Yeah, there is. There's a lot of noise and there's a lot of things being said and it can be really hard um, to read an article or just a quick, you know, 120 words or 120 characters, whatever Twitter is and boom, that's it. That's fact that I know that is a concrete truth now. And I see it a lot with talking with people about public lands and some of the, you know, some current things that are going on with the current administration, things like that. And I, they take, you know, one-liners and they take it as a complete fact. And I say, dude, like you don't actually, the things that you're saying, you don't actually believe in that because you, it, it's, it's dichotomous. Um, you're saying one thing, but you're regurgitating another thing and supporting something that you shouldn't be supporting. And I, I think that's one of the, the biggest problems that we have as a community, as a, a tribe of waterfowlers or outdoorsmen and conservationists is that we kind we've lost that investigative backbone to challenge what we read on a headline and just subscribe uh, to, you know, whatever everybody else is subscribing to. Yeah. I think there's still a group of a group of people in the hunting community that do not trust what they hear. And there's a large group that if Tony Vandemorst does Beretta or Benelli is the best gun out there, they don't care. They're shooting it. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a group of influencers that if Remington 870 offered them $50,000. Guess what they're going to say? Yeah, you know, exactly. There's, they're they're going to say that the 870 is the best gun, you know, built, ever made. It's just a good gun. Don't get me wrong, but. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think there's not really, you got to, I mean, if you can feed your family by saying Remington 870 is awesome and, uh, it's something that you actually do believe in and that is, I don't know, ultimately you're not selling a part of yourself um, or the whole part of your trust. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> you, 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 here's the thing about it. You, if you're going to be paid and you're, you're in a position that you are paid to speak for a product, you better, you better believe in it you better not just believe in it because you're being paid yeah because your integrity is on the line and we live in a world of popular today gone tomorrow famous today gone tomorrow i mean it is a lot of you know when i was growing up somebody that was famous was famous for a while now it's it's come and go there's really not a lot of long stay heroes anymore even in the hunting industry you know tony uh, i use tony because tony has had a a long run yeah in in terms of the world we live in today oh yeah yeah he's been a staple for a long time <laughs> yeah i mean and then there's 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 give you another one like ira ira is one of the stories we're doing right now Ira's not going to put his name attached to anything unless he really, really believes in it. 
Can I tell you a funny reaction that I had to uh, one of the stories that Ira told? And I'm not going to give the story away because I want people to go back and listen to it themselves. But uh, I've never had anybody uh, that I out loud in my truck was like, BS. And I actually said the actual, I said bullshit, you know. And um, when he was talking about that, uh, that, uh, the bird that he killed up in Alaska. You remember what I'm talking about? Oh, with the rock. Yeah. With a rock. And I said, holy shit. And then I started thinking, I was like, no, he's probably, t- he is, he's, it's, this is Ira McCauley. He's telling the truth. I'm like, <laughs> he's got, what? You can't lie about that. Who wouldn't, you can't even make that up. Oh. <laughs> but that was yeah. nuts. It was nuts. I I was I just laughed after that. I was like, that is some crazy stuff. I love it. you're calling that the Innovator series. Um and I and I love uh love that series so far. It's you know, I I really like what you're doing bringing the humans the human side of in these long-term stories um into kind of telling the the story of what waterfowling is because waterfowling is what waterfowlers are, you know, <laughs> that's the real story. And you asked me, are there, p- yes, there's people like Ira. There's people like Lee. There's people like Jake, like Spencer, like Ramsey that will not sacrifice their integrity to, to promote a product. They don't believe in it. I, I'm telling you every one of those guys, which is a, they are a huge influence in the outdoor industry, they will not put their integrity behind, you know, in jeopardy if they don't believe in something. That you ask me, who? That's a, that's a group right there. Jim Ronquist is another one. Yeah, absolutely. So, what else? What do, what, what do you? What would you like to leave the listeners of the Foul Front with? You know, you guys, I will say this. Ben and I have been friends for a while. Uh, I think I was one of the first people that, I, when you started thinking about doing a podcast, you you called me and said, you know, hey, thinking about, you know, what are your thoughts on it? I said, go for it, man. It's fun. You, you got to commit and go all in. I remember telling you that. And Yep. It's one of my favorite ones out. I don't ever listen to one of my shows, but the foul <laughs> front, yeah. I listen to it. Um, trying to think, listen to cast and blast some, but you got a great host. Give it. Look, there's so many little things as, as users that you can do to show your appreciation because it's a lot of time built up in doing what we do. Go leave a review for him. Simple as that. iTunes. Go leave a review there for, for being in the foul front. Um, yeah. And, and if you, know, you haven't already, go check out End of the Line podcast because, um, yeah, I, I, I really do think that you're bringing a lot of value to um, the, the rhetoric, uh, especially, especially with all these little series you're doing. And it's, I just think it's great. And I, I, I remember the first time um, I called you. I think I called you off of the Mossy Island Outfitters um, website. I think I, you know, that's where I found your number. And I said, oh, this guy is not going to, he's not going to call me back. Um, I left a message and then 
uh, I remember I answered the phone in my truck, not recognizing the number. And you're like, hey, this is Rocky LaFleur. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was so weird hearing you in my truck. Um, <laughs> not on the podcast. And, uh, I was I was kind of starstruck, I think, initially. Uh, don't be starstruck. You and I have become really good friends. You know, we, we, we now, maybe back then, you know, but now Ben and I are really, really good friends. We talk on a regular basis. We bounce ideas off of each other. And let me just say, you guys have a great, great host. Well, I appreciate you saying that. So I really do. So I just, Hey, I appreciate you letting me come on here, man, because this is why I let people get on my podcast and tell stories is because you let me have open air. I just ramble and I, I chase rabbits everywhere. I'm like a, that old beagle going through the swamp, man. I just chase stuff. Like crazy, yeah, but yeah, but there's a there's a beauty in that, you know. If your mind is the swamp, like, and your mind's your mind's where it's at, and like, there's, you know, that's good stuff. So. <laughs> unless, unless you're unless you have a lot of ADD users or listeners, yeah. and they're like, "What the? He was just talking about this, and now he's talking about this. What? Where's he going with this?" Oh no, I, I it's. That's it. There's a, there's there's so many different formats out there. If you don't like this podcast, just yeah, go listen to a different one. You know, uh, like that's that's really what it is. I, I tried it. You know, we try to bring value to people's lives, and uh, I think a lot of people kind of think there's something else going on, or I, they just I don't know. I know it gets it's bad. I probably for me to like say that, but it, it does kind of get hard sometimes when. Uh, you know, you you spend, I know for me, for every hour of content that I have, it's probably three or four hours of work. Um, oh, yeah. And so it's, uh, you know, it gets really, it gets hard to not really kind of get personal about it. And I think some people hold you to a really high standard and that's good and because it's good to be judged against a high standard. But um, sometimes it gets a little tiring, especially when you're like, well, you know, I don't, I don't make much money off this, uh, if at all. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But. I, I want to leave you with this. My final thought is the most important of this whole podcast. Life and business, the determination of your success in any of those is who you surround yourself with. Be, you know, and I'm not talking about in the sense of the stories that we're doing on the podcast. Dude, when you got people like Ramsey and Jake and <laughs> as crazy as Rob Croom is, uh, Mondays with Rob, <laughs> but yeah. you, you surround yourself with good people like that, Josh Webb, that are, that are dedicated, as dedicated to it as you are, you're going to be successful. And don't get me wrong, the people that we're doing stories on is just as important. But when you have people like Jake and Ramsey and uh, Spence is coming on and doing on his own day, Spencer Halford, when you have people like that, you're when you surround yourself with successful people, you're going to be successful also. Yep. I think that's a great jumping off point and uh, 
I appreciate you so much uh, for coming on to the show, Rocky. It was really great to, uh, you know, get behind uh, kind of what, what you think and what you, how you work and kind of really tell the, you know, in any way I feel that I'm just glad to be helping promote End of the Line podcast uh, just because it's such a good product and such good people behind it. So, Well, I'm sorry to ramble. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, I, I chase rabbits everywhere, but uh, I had a lot of fun. Thank you again. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, everybody, Rocky LaFleur, End of the Line podcast. Go check it out. Um, anywhere you can find, anywhere you're listening to this, you can you can go find uh, End of the Line podcast. And Rocky, you have a uh, you have a good weekend. You too, sir. Uh, End of the Line podcast and. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there and we will see you next week. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither, but hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today.